Yeah, so um, share a little bit about your background and your career path. Uh, my name is Jin. Uh, I'm currently a, an engineering uh, director at Meta, and I've started uh, traditionally as an uh, in engineer, and then I moved into product management, um, and later on I came back to engineer, but mostly I've been working for large tech companies uh, serving various industries, whether it's financial services, um, government, or um, insurance, for example. Got it. Um, what's, how, how does your perspective change based on who you serve? I think my perspective has to change. Um, depends on our customers because every customer situation is very different. Um, I'll give you a couple of examples. Early on when I was working in um, supporting a database team, we were serving a major retail, U.S. retailer. So at the time, data accuracy or the database uptime to them was most mission critical because their store literally uh, would you know run twenty four seven and you know all the backend process and can you imagine right if the cash register was not able to check out for the customers and at that time our database were having availability issues um, I clearly remember some long nights where the customers were escalating about critical uh, database issues right so in this case you really wanted to focus on their availability um, versus later on, I had another customer. Uh, this time it was a telco company and it was not immediately for their day-to-day, -day, but it was for something super innovative that at the time nobody was using, right? So they were looking for a very innovative approach to be able to differentiate them from the rest of their competitors. And in that case, they don't quite care as much about, let's say, the availability of my product. And by the way, at that time, I'm working on a, um, I was supporting this customer with a totally different product, right? So what matters was no longer about availability, but rather how uh, cutting edge that was, uh, how that would differentiate this user and possibly set them apart from the rest of their competition. Um, so as you can see in these two examples, Alyssa, my perspective changed quite a bit, you know, almost from one customer to the other, uh, because what matters to them is different. Uh, the product is different. The business they're in is certainly very different. Yeah. Um, so going a little bit more in depth on your backgrounds, we're kind of going backwards. Um, why did you decide to join the STEM field, like join technology in particular? When I first graduated from uh, grad school, internet was booming. Uh, so it was a very interesting field for me. Uh, I, you know, had so much fun with programming. I was amazed by how internet and technology was able to bring people closer. Um, I'll give you an example. At that time, as I was graduating from high school, uh, from, from grad school, I remember I made a phone call to my parents. It was five minutes through AT&T, and I think it cost about five U.S. dollars at the time, right? And that was still the most popular way of, um, you know, uh, reaching back home. Uh, at the same time, exactly the same year, right? Literally, this was my first phone call back home, but literally the same year, the same month, actually, I had access to the computer lab in, um, in my university and realized, you know, there's internet and there's ways you can reach people across the globe, uh, not only 
almost instantly, but also uh, significantly cheaper, right? In that, in that case, uh, almost free. So I think that was a big um, wake up call for me, for me to realize that the wave of technology is here and the technology is gonna get into every field, whichever field we're in, right? And therefore it's the best opportunity to, to embrace it. So I did. Yeah. What was your first job? My first job was a programmer for a company working on crop insurance. So we actually collect nationwide for US all the crop insurance data, analyze them. And uh, I was responsible for the analysis tool that was you know, home built that was specifically designed for these. And as a base of that, all the different US crop insurance companies will be able to establish their rates, their premium, you know, how much they would charge for the farmers and how much to, you know, how much protection we can ensure the, the crops uh, are getting properly protected. I see. Um, what made you choose this job in particular? Um, it was two direction. Uh, it was also because the job chose me. Uh, I did not have a particular interest uh, nor know anything about crop insurance, uh, but I wanted to get into a job that's related to technology, to data, and, and these two perfectly lines up for the requirement. It turns out that crop insurance is a fascinating field to learn about. And again, you asked about perspective earlier, right? I did gain my perspective there, you know, serving my uh, crop insurance companies being, being my clients. And one fascinating thing there is I happened to, uh, because of that job, I had the opportunity to work with a lot of agriculture experts. And they taught me fun things, uh, such as how cranberries are getting harvested. Um, I still remember what I learned from that moment. And after all these years, you know, as I share with people how cranberries are getting harvested, many people felt as fascinated as I was when I was initially told about the story. So it's a um, agriculture is a especially modern agriculture is a very fascinating field. I see. Did you uh, apply anything that you learned in your first job to your current one? From first job to the current one, that is an interesting one because that is many, many years ago, I have to think. The first thing coming to mind, Alyssa, would be this level of um, willingness to learn. When, when I went into my first job, um, I was absolutely committed to learn everything needed in order to do uh, a good job. And I did do a good job, at least, you know, according to my performance review, right, from that, from that very first job. But, but I absolutely worked at it. Um, I spent long hours without being asked uh, because I was motivated to do so. I went out of my way. Um, as, as an example, I gave you to make friends, to talk to my colleagues, to learn about agriculture because I was interested about, you know, how the things are getting harvested. How did the insurance company operate with their farmer, you know, with the farmers that they insure, et cetera, right? And I think that level of willingness, uh, the interest about, you know, investing to know what, how to do a better job is probably key um, for every job since then and including the job today, right? Like today, for example, I'm responsible for um, Meta's hyperscale data center. And that's a, a new field. And, you know, every company's hyperscale data center is different. And there are only a few hyperscale data centers out there. So when I started this current job, I had to use probably the same approach um, I used for my very first one, which is really get in and 
learn, right? Listen a lot, learn a lot, um, and try to connect the dots with what I knew before, you know, adding what I'm learning now and, and trying to make sense of them together. What attracted you to Meta in, in your uh, team? Sorry, I forgot what you feel here. Yeah, the, um, what was interesting for, uh, for me to come to Meta is, uh, so Meta, Meta's role is about data um, capacity engineering. And it's about how to satisfy all the products uh, as far as you know, their server needs. Uh, for servers, they need to have be, be running in the cloud. For example, you know, Facebook may come and say, I need X you know, millions of servers. Instagram may say, I need Y millions of servers. And there will all be a lot of specifications, right? What are, what type of servers, you know, what, uh, which state uh, or which continent they should be located and, and what kind of capability needs to be put next to this other function so that they can go talk to each other. In this case, it's a big puzzle game and it's pretty difficult to satisfy everyone's demand now, that is a common problem for any cloud company. But what was interesting for me for Meta is because these are all internal customers, I actually had the unique opportunity to problem solve with them together. Unlike if I'm working for a public cloud company, right? For different customers, I can only work with customer A at a time, work with customer B at a time. I cannot get the three of us together to problem solve. And, and when it's internal customers, you get to... Uh, problem solved together, um, and you get to reduce more boundaries, opened up more possibilities. So that's what attracted me in the first place. Okay. Um, relating to Meta, what challenges do you have in your current job? Because you're in a relatively new field, I'm guessing. Uh, it is exactly the problem I described to you earlier, that we do not have enough to, set, to, to satisfy every demand. Um, in general, the demand is just so high, right? Data volume is high, um, you, you, you know, usage is high. We now have over 3 billion users, uh, keeping up with all these users worldwide uh, at any moment of time as you and I are speaking, right? That's pretty challenging. So I think my biggest challenge is how to keep up with the demand. And how do you think uh, your skills as a leader like allow like helps you compensate for like the challenges in your current job? This is a challenge we uh, as a team are all you know problem solving together. Um, mm -hmm. So I think as a as a leader, of course, people can be you know team members can feel pretty anxious when it's a critical situation. For example, you know we have a big event coming up, New Year's Eve, you know Times Square. Um, how much more uptake are we going to see for Facebook uh, or Instagram related to the, you know, uh, New Year's Eve Times Square videos or photos, right? And how much that's going to take up for, for our storage and impact our serving, right? People, uh, I can tell you that team members working that weekend uh, can feel pretty anxious. And therefore, as a, as a leader, what I try to uh, do with the team is one, uh, stay with them together, right? So we do this together we're in this as one team uh, none of us are doing this alone um, but also celebrate small wins whenever we achieve something you know it may not be earth shattering but if it's a step towards the right direction i make sure we celebrate um, it is a very big challenge it's a challenge that the whole the, the entire industry is facing so uh, as each of us 
celebrate and recognize the progress we've made, I think it definitely gives us more confidence and more motivation to continue this uh, difficult path here. Okay. Um, relating to leadership, um, the ratio of female leaders in STEM is still relatively low. Um, so when you look back, what are the challenges in the early stages of your career uh, to like grow into a leadership position? I think early career for me um, was that it was difficult for me to figure out how I should behave because I don't have a lot of role models. Um, for example, you know, if you're the only woman, you know, being the only woman at the table, uh, you don't necessarily have role models that you know may um, share, for example, my style or personality, right? And that often gets me pretty anxious about should I um, behave just like the others? Uh, what if that is not my natural style, right? Do I meet uh, what seem to be uh, prevailing their halfway? Or is that 30% versus 70%, right? That's, that's difficult. And I think that is the area where it has taken me the longest effort trying to figure out where I feel comfortable. Uh, I also think over the years, I made progress there, meaning initially it, it was more like mimicking others, right? You observe what is the accepted behavior and norm. Um, but later on, as I gained not only more experience, expertise, but I, I, I've also gained more trust from the team, right? From the, the, let's say the leadership around the table, then I feel more comfortable and confident to be more in my own skin, right? Um, have more of my style show, showing up. Um, for example, you know, I remember I used to be pretty uncomfortable um, when it's late afternoon time where, you know, either I myself or a colleague need to, um, you know, leave the conversation that is still very much heated and go pick up our children, right? I used to feel very uncomfortable about it. Uh, but today, I would say not only I would feel comfortable uh, if I have a team member signal this, uh, I would encourage them to do so, right? And if I can see, if I happen to know a team member who is really worried about, you know, it's now five and, and he's about to get that penalty at 5.15, you know, for, for being late picking up his child, I may even speak up to say, hey, why don't we, you know, pause for now, uh, because you know, I, I, as I understand, who and who needs to leave now to to go pick up his child, um, I think these were the things that I gained confidence over time. But initially, early career, it was very difficult to find a role model because you just don't see other colleagues who seem to have this need, right? Uh, need to watch for time and need to leave early um, in the midst of the uh, of a very, let's say, critical or or important conversation. What made you gain confidence? Was it the respect of your team or did something like internal like change? I think it's both. And I think uh, external would also help internal, just like how internal confidence would also project outbound. So it's probably a positive uh, feedback loop there. Over the years, you know, as I gained more experience, as I was able to deliver more results, right, as people, um, whether I support or people that I report to get to know me better, right? They start to know, um, you know, it's my style, it's, you know, my personality and my, you know, uh, 
approach with organization and, and these will all yield results. Uh, so um, obviously they would have increased confidence level in me and that confidence is also shown from me external um, you know, to outside as well. Um, you mentioned your approach a couple of times. Can you uh, like elaborate on what your approach is? Uh, ask me again, What which specific approach are you referring to? Your approach to, to leadership. I think is what I'm trying, yeah, it's like, yeah. It's a pretty broad topic. Uh, can you narrow down a little bit more for me? Um, like, give me a setting, because, you know, leadership can mean a lot of different things in different situations. Right. I think it's like your approach, um, your approach to, like, gain respect or, like, lead others in particular. Mm, that's a really good um, uh, specific scope. I think my approach there, as I discussed earlier, when you were asking me about uh, first job to current job, right? Which by the way, was a really good question that made me think. Uh, I don't often get to reflect in that regard. So in the sense of, you know, my approach to leadership or gaining trust in, in the new era, I think the first thing is I go focus on listen. I also have a lot of curiosity that I indeed want to learn, right? So I would listen, I would learn, and I would try to go do before I talk, right? I think these are uh, probably important and just natural learning traits for me. Uh, each of us have, have our different, you know, learning style and learning habits. I usually start here. Um, and then, you know, once we have an opportunity to understand each other, we, we then know, you know, what is our superpower? How do we supplement each other? So that's usually how a team gets, you know, uh, formed and a team gets to um, increase our efficiency level, right? The collectivity efficiency level. Um, as we know, you know, somebody's really good at doing A versus another team member can just, you know, jump in just in time for part B. What, um, like generally, what leadership style tends to work for you? Um, I prefer leaders who would uh, give me direct and timely feedback. Um, I think sugarcoating is not something I appreciate um, just because it tends to delay things. And, uh, you know, um, I also appreciate just um, very positive intent focused approach. Um, you know, what I mean is this, there is a, a famous approach from an organizational perspective called strength finder, right? And the theory says each one of us have our superpower, has our strength, and each of each one of us also um, has our weaknesses. And in general, it's much easier for one to focus and improve further on what you're already good at versus something focusing on correcting what you're not very good at. Uh, I am a big fan of this belief. And, and for that reason, I think, you know, um, I prefer to uh, talk to my team members focusing on their strength, about how to amplify their strength and I know I would appreciate, um, you know, leaders treating me the same way, meaning it's okay to have constructive feedback, but the whole intent is about to grow and support rather than putting a team member under fear. Okay. Yeah, I think, I think that's a valuable theory as well. Um, um, and then what skills help you to become a, to be an effective leader besides your experience? 
I think a couple of things we mentioned earlier, right? That listening and learning capability, um, it is two very common words, but each of us actually do them very differently. Uh, for example, I know I listen differently than how my manager listens, right? Um, uh, and listen was not just a one-way listen. Listen is sometimes uh, very active, right? When do you not nod your head, right? When do you confirm with your uh, team members? When do you send that vibe of encouragement, right? There's, there's a lot of these. So I would say these two skills, I've uh, continued, I've got better and I'm still continuously learning uh, how to be a better listener and how to be a better learner. Yeah. Oh, you elaborate on one. Can you elaborate on the second um, skill? On learning. Uh -huh. yeah. uh, so for, for learning, I, I think, you know, in different situations, you need to learn differently. Uh, for example, sometimes learning is better to go read um, a, you know, let's say a, a document first or a wiki first, then ask questions. Uh, sometimes learning is better when you just watch and observe as in a technical discussion, right? You start to figure out not only the issue people are trying to solve, not only some of the key bottlenecks, but also team members' unique strength and style there by, by, by learning that way. But sometimes, um, you know, besides you either read and ask question or just go right into some of the, the meetings and learn from listening there, uh, the third type of learning is simply bringing in a help to say, you know what, Alyssa, you're really good at, you know, organizing and, and producing a podcast. Come and spend 30 minutes, just teach me. I know nothing about how to get started. And I'm going to ask you very basic and stupid questions. So we need to close the door for you to teach me, right? Um, so you can see these are all different learning styles. Uh, and they are, I, I believe they're applicable for different type of problems, different type of situations. So over the years, I have to collect a few of these learning options that works for me in my tool bag. And I kind of have to triage and decide under each situation, which one I'd like to try and maybe try first, right? And if that doesn't work quite well, I'll go try something else. Okay. Uh, what advice would you give to a woman trying to enter leadership instead? Um, have confidence. Uh, that that, that would be you know, the, the only thing uh, I'd like to share. I think we all um, can have you know, significant um, imposter syndrome. We can self-guess. Uh, we continue to, we not only guess how others may think of us, we even produce the entire script about, you know, somebody must be saying those, then that would happen. Then next thing would happen, you know, like 10 more episodes going down for, for a popular TV show. And all of these are only in our mind. Um, so I'd say be confident and just, you know, move forward rather than spending the energy in your brain, uh, trying to anticipate what uh, may be criticism or, or disappointment about you here. And then what advice would you give generally to young girls and uh, trying to explore or, or interested in STEM? Um, I think that's a that's a that's an interesting one because you said explore already. I actually think young girls do not explore enough. Um, so my advice is to explore deeper. Um, for example, if we're talking about STEM, um, if I go ask young girls, and let me just try with you, if I say STEM, what 
experience pops into your mind immediately? What kind of a job is a STEM job? I think instantly it's like a researcher or like or like a doctor. I think instantly in my yep yeah yep yep. See researcher doctor and if you know Alyssa, if you go ask some of your friends, I suspect you know a lot of them will confirm your thinking, and they may also say. Uh, maybe a computer programmer, right? That's that's possible in STEM, and maybe one of them was a mathematician, right, uh, or statistician. But you see, these are very common, big umbrella words. Inside each, there's yet a lot more to explore. For example, one may generalize to say researcher is not for me, right, and just go ahead and close the door. But if this girl happened to be, let's say, a someone who loves animals, you know, love pets. And then to say, oh, you know what, the research can actually point to things specifically re- related to um, animal care, you know, related to um, biography and related to, oh, that's very different from, you know, research being, you know, uh, looking up information, trying to find the right match and writing super long, you know, never ending papers. So you can see in this example, as you go in a little bit further, research can become much broader and there will be a subset that really connects really well with anybody's, you know, with this individual's particular interest or passion. Similarly for a doctor, right? Doctor, a medical field is huge. Similarly for a mathematician or for a programmer here. So my suggestion here for young girls is there's a lot of, um, stereotype understanding of STEM careers, um, you know, explore a little bit deeper, <laughs> go into each of them and ask the question. And sometimes if you do not know how that could mean anything to you, please just speak your mind because others will help you. You can say, I am fascinated about fashion and I cannot seem to find a tie, you know, between fashion to mathematics. Help me out here, right? And hopefully somebody will come in and say, guess what? You know, when you're designing fashion, right? The, 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 partic- the particular golden ratio exactly came from math. And that is actually gonna show up as you look for, you know, not only how you make the cut for the, for the design you do, but also later on when you do the display or do the stage set uh, setup, right? So hopefully these are some of the connections that will make you realize STEM field is much broader and not as, you know, rigid, right? Not as uh, fixated here. I think that's really what I wanted to share with young girls is while they're exploring, don't settle on what's on the surface. Um, You know, raise the hand, share your interests and passions so that others can help you explore explore even deeper. Yeah, that's great advice. I think it's like all I wanted to ask. So thank you for your time. We did really well here. Well, you did a great job preparing for all the questions. I appreciate this opportunity talking to you. Thank you. Take care. Yep, I think. But-